so eager to get started today. So here's, here's the team. You can see the beautiful sort of landscape in the background. Uh, there's Cindy Dockendorf here in the middle. Uh, there's me, and uh, you may recognize some of the others. And so we, we went on this trip, and there's this beautiful beach of Costa Rica. And when you hear kind of the name Costa Rica, you probably have this incredible paradise in your mind. And, and it's true. It very much is. And uh, back in the 50s, Costa Rica was about 50% rainforest. It was just this beautiful, untouched habitat, really. But then it quickly became a very uh, deforested place and, uh, and became very different. And we went, we were, we were experiencing all kinds of things about the place, about the people, about the ministry going on there. And, you know, this might be the image that you have, a place of beauty, a place of wonder, and a, a place of great beaches and beautiful vistas and mountains and landscapes to explore. And certainly it was that. But we were far more interested in what was going on in the story of ministry. And so let me take you to the next uh, slide here. And on the, just about the last day that we were there, the last full day, we got to visit one of the local churches in what's primarily a touristy part of Costa Rica, Samara. And in this area, we, we met with one of the churches, and they had picked a project that they wanted us to be part of. And so what we did on that day was we walked along the dried-up riverbed. It's hard to tell that that was a river because it's so dry, but we walked along the dry riverbed, and we picked up garbage, and it was probably the hottest day we were there. There's just a few bags of the garbage. And they also gathered together as a community, and they welcomed us in. They had cake for us. In fact, this boy here in the, the blue shirt with the red shorts, he had made his first cake. He was starting a cake business, and we were his first customers. So we got to experience that, and uh, they had put together this uh, composting bin for the community. And what they were learning about as a church was called creation care. And I'd heard about it before. I've certainly learned about it before. But I saw it in action at a local church level for the very first time. And why did they want us to clean up this riverbed? Why were they so interested in composting? Well, cleaning up the riverbed, it was a source of food for them, among many things. Sure, it was good just to take care of the river and the land that was there, but this was a, a river, uh, the pastor told me, that it produces something like a prawn or a, like you know, a small shrimp-type animal. But it's only there if the river's clean. And so when the river is clean, they can eat from it, and it provides food for them. And so when they take care of the riverbed, it takes care of them. And they were composting because they realized there was so much waste. In fact, we were picking it up. But when they took care of the place and they did composting and some of these basic things, rather than you know, building waste, they were building organic material that would help them grow other foods. And so by taking care of the earth, it was taking care of them. And it was this beautiful picture for me at a very just local level of what creation care is all about. Now, that language might be new to you. It's something I'm still very much learning about. But it was one of those opportunities where I think we learned uh, that when we deal with mission and partnerships, it really is about a mutual experience of learning together. And this was a case where I think we have something to learn from the churches there. Now, unfortunately, COVID has changed the dynamic with Costa Rica, and the couple that was field staff for CBM, they've left the field because of COVID and the limitations and all of that. So we haven't been able to pursue that any further as a church. But it will have been worth it for me 
to have learned about this and to have seen it in action, to learn about creation care here. And I want to take you to a few things. Let's go to the next slide. I want to take you to um, an evangelical declaration on the care of creation. Now, this is just a few lines from it that I've excerpted. If you're interested in seeing the whole declaration, you can go to the website creationcare.org. But uh, Christians have come to the point of making a declaration on what it means to care for creation because it's been lacking. And here is one of the core statements um, of it that I want to read for you. They, They write, We call upon all Christians to reaffirm that all creation is God's, that God created it good, and that God is renewing it in Christ. Those are convictions that should actually sound pretty familiar to us as we've been talking through some of these things this summer. But we need to be reminded of this, that the the, the earth is the Lord's, and that he created it good, and that Jesus loves it so much that he came for it, he died for it. Yes, even creation. And sometimes Christians have narrowed our perspective so much on what faith is that we think it's just about me and Jesus. Last week I talked about how that can never be true because Jesus calls us to be in right relationship with each other as well. And we also talked about how it was going to be important last week, and here we are today, to recognize how Jesus invites us into a new relationship with the world he created and he redeemed. And so that's what we're going to explore a little bit today. Where have we gotten it wrong? Why have we ignored the earth? Why have we stopped caring for it? It's it's a critical issue in our day because we hear about global warming. We hear about climate change. There have been wildfires raging in various places of the world. We see uh, within the middle of oceans these huge seas of plastic and garbage that gather together from all the corners of the world. We see a place like Costa Rica that's been deforested and suffering. Animals going extinct. We are told that climate is changing, that sea is rising that things are difficult. This is an issue that's very much at the forefront of our world, and Christians can often be absent from it or even declare that it's not worthy of consideration at all, that we should ignore the subject. And that's why there's there's been the need for a declaration like this, to remind us that God created the world and it's his, and he created it good, and that he's renewing it in Christ. So where have we gone wrong? Where is it that we've gone wrong? Why is it that we give such little consideration to the physical world, the animals, the creatures, the creation of the world that God created? Why have we ignored that so much? I think it comes from some bad Bible reading, among other things, but let's look at some of that now. Let's go to the next slide. Reading the Bible badly. In Genesis, when we read the first pages, we hear that God gave dominion, in one translation for English, dominion to all of us as human beings over the world. And we read language like God told us to subdue it. And what we have read that to mean is that we're to dominate, dominate the creation, to take whatever we can from it, to even exploit it. Do whatever we want with it. And there's been this further idea from, that's the beginning pages of the Bible in Genesis to the very end pages in Revelation, where we've spent some time as a congregation, where there's this idea that we're just going to see all of earth burn up in the end, and we're just going to escape it and be with Jesus finally. But that's also a bad reading of Scripture. 
If you've been around here in the Revelation series, we learned that that's not at all what the Revelation story is telling us. So the story doesn't begin with a desire for human beings to dominate the world, and we can do whatever we want with it because we're just going to escape it anyway. Instead, the teaching of Scripture, the story of Scripture, is something far different. And in this bad reading of the Bible, our relationship with creation is one of slavery, where we enslave the world around us. We can do whatever we want with it. We can use it in whatever way we want, and we only see it valuable for what we get out of it. What that produces is a lot of waste. If you remember back to the first uh, sort of couple sermons in this series, one of the things I talked about is how the creation story of Genesis 1 is told is that the world, it said, was that there was nothing and things were wild and waste. And instead, God created out of that nothingness, out of that nothing chaosness. Just making up words. And so that really is a return to waste. That's not at all what God was creating in the first place. He was creating order and beauty and goodness. And so there seems to be a disconnect here in the way that humans, and particularly Christians, have treated the world. We've treated it as something for us to use in whatever way we want, to enslave and to waste, because we're just going to escape it, we're going to leave it all behind anyway. Well, that's not, I think, what the teaching of Scripture is. Uh, Let's go to the next slide here. I think reading the Bible well will take us to a much more helpful and clear perspective. And in Genesis 2.15, so we remember still in the origin stories of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2, we heard the words that human beings were there to serve or to tend, to watch, to care for creation. And that was during the, 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 the sermon on work where we talked about what it is that human beings were kind of created for, what our purpose was in creation. And in Revelation, as we look to the very end pages of the Bible, we saw that Jesus doesn't simply destroy it and take us away to a different place called heaven. Instead, what we see is that heaven joins earth, and heaven and earth are renewed, made new. And that Jesus declares over all of it that he's making all things new. So instead, the perspective, if we read Scripture well, is one where human beings serve the earth. And we see it being renewed, not a place to leave behind, to escape, to throw away in the trash, but rather a place to be made beautiful and to be renewed in wholeness and goodness, what we call shalom, peace. The perspective on creation is far different from what we have often operated out of in our industrialized world. It's not to deforest Costa Rica and do whatever we want with it, but rather it's to tend, to care for, to protect and to serve. And the, the image that I think we need to have for creation from the text of Scripture is one of partnership. And that might sound weird to us. It sounded weird to me when I was first considering that language. But in the, the writing of, of Scripture, again and again, human beings are encouraged to see creation as a partner, or we could call it a neighbor. It's not simply a neighborhood for us where we live. It's a neighbor that we care for. That's language that might sound strange to our ears, but as we read through the story of the scriptures, we'll see again and again these kinds of emphasis being brought forth. It's not about a slave relationship with creation, but it's one of partnership, where we are mutually called by God to do things in the world, to be fruitful and multiply. We'll see that in a moment. 
And so our relationship with nature has gone askew, which actually shouldn't be all that surprising to us because we're told that when God created things good and human beings went their own way, it messed up every relationship. It messed up relationships between human beings with each other. It messed up relations of human beings to God. But also, as we read Genesis 3, God declares that it destroys the relationship between humanity and the ground that they're meant to serve and work, and that that will now be a strained relationship. Let's go to the next slide here, where uh, what we see is Genesis 1.22 and Leviticus 25. In Genesis 1.22, listen to the first words. I won't say any more. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. And you're probably thinking we're talking to human beings here, but we're not. Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. So not only were human beings given the mandate within creation in the story, human beings were given the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, but so was the earth. So was creation itself, the world around us. And so Christians need to have this understanding of creation, as weird as that might sound to us, because it seems to personify the world around us. But creation itself has a mandate to be fruitful and multiply. And if we hinder it from doing so, if we diminish its fruitfulness and multiplication, we are actually sinning against it by hindering the the creation from doing what God wants it to do. So this might sound strange to our ears, but it's, it's, a, it's because we're not used to seeing the world around us the way that God sees it. In Leviticus 25, we see a really interesting picture. Here, God has rescued the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. What's one of the things we learned about early on? We learned about this idea of Sabbath, where God rested on the seventh day. He created for six, rested on the seventh And then that model goes into the teaching of the life of the people of Israel as they're being formed into a community. And God says to them, you once were slaves and you never got a day off, but in my kingdom, in the way that I do things, I want you to work for six days, but then rest for a seventh and call it a Sabbath. But now listen to the language of Leviticus 25, how God is establishing how they will live in the new land, the new place. You understand that land and place is important to God. Listen to what he says. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must observe observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. Doesn't that sound strange to some of our ears to think that the land itself gets a Sabbath? Why is that? It's to remind the people that our relationship with creation isn't to be one where we enslave it. Human beings in the the, the story of the people of Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt and God frees them to a new life of freedom where they have rest and they can relax and they can trust in God. But he says it's not just for you, the whole world that has been suffering under this constant work of usefulness and uh, definition of its value but only by usefulness, the world is meant to have a break too, to breathe, to be rested, not to be worked as a slave for our purposes alone. 
These ideas might be challenging for us, but as we look through the text, we see it more and more and more about how God wants us to relate to the world in a far better way, a way, really, of partnership, of treating the land, the creation, the creatures as a neighbor that we love. So, we don't live in a, in a relationship of enslaving, but we live in a relationship of partnership. That's the way we were designed to be in creation. I think back to some of the stories we heard, uh, I think the week that Cindy shared, uh, talking about the land and, and the sea and, and working uh, all that's there. And Cindy talked very well about how when they take care and manage things well and allow things to kind of just produce in the way that God designed, then it's better for everybody. They don't, you know remove the resources too quickly, and things can be sustainable. I've heard farmers talk about this, how uh, there needs to be some sort of crop rotation, that fields need to rest in order to be healthy. I've heard some of you experience these things in other ways, but maybe you've never thought about it from the perspective of faith and with an understanding of what it means to live the way God designed. But God designed us as human beings to live in flourishing and freedom. And to be in relationship with the world he created in a way that's sustaining and flourishing as well. And that when we serve the earth, when we care for the earth, it takes care of us and vice versa. Let's go to the next here. I need to keep moving. Romans 8, 20 and 21. There's a reference to creation and there's a few other verses surrounding this, but we'll focus a bit. And it says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Now, what was that curse from? It was from human beings' disobedience. You know, that doesn't seem fair. But when human beings don't do what we're supposed to do, when we don't care for the earth, when we do our own thing and we don't follow God's way, it's a curse upon us. It's a curse upon the world, really, because we're going against the way it was designed. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And here in this language, it might sound strange to us, again, it's sort of the creation is being personified in a sense, but we see that creation and God's people together are having the same perspective. It's, they're partnered together in looking towards the day where it will be redeemed and free from the brokenness of the curse. The world around us is groaning, it says in Romans 8. It's groaning for the day of its freedom, just as we are. But if we, if we seek to live in a way that, that is, is in line with how God has created us and the world, it can be a, a thing of beauty, a thing of flourishing. Uh, next slide here. Colossians 1, 16, 17, and 19 to 20. We've been referring to this section of Scripture repeatedly. And it says this, Everything was created through him and for him. This is Christ Jesus. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You see, when Jesus came to the earth that he created, it was a place that he already loved. 
that he was intimately involved in its creation, but also in its sustaining. He holds all creation together. And in his death and resurrection, we see Jesus redeeming not just people, but everything he made. Everything that's been suffering under the curse and brokenness, everything that isn't quite the way it was intended to be because of sin, everything gets reconciled to Jesus. And if Jesus loves the earth, the physical creation around us, enough to die for it, just as he loves human beings, you and I, enough to die for us, then shouldn't we also love the earth he created? Shouldn't we also love the earth that Jesus loves and made and worked to redeem? The teaching of Scripture is that all things... All things in this physical world will be reconciled to God and renewed by Him. And if we don't take that seriously, if we treat the world as something we can waste and throw away, if we don't find ways in which our own homes can be sustainable within the created order, then we are sinning against God. We're sinning against the earth. I want to read now just a quote from Wendell Berry. I think it's the next slide. Wendell Berry uh, has written a lot about creation as a poet, as an author, and he says this, If God loves the world, then how might any person of faith be excused for not loving it or caring for it? If God loves the world, then how might any person of faith be justified in destroying it? Now, I don't have all the answers about what we should do. I don't have all the solutions. I don't know what it means fully, even, for myself, my family, my home, to live in a way that honors the created world around me. I'm learning how to do that too. But I can't just treat the world as my slave to do whatever I want. I need to find a way to live in it in a way that honors it because God loves the creation. God loves us. And he desires that all of it live together in shalom, peace, harmony. I think the very last slide is just a picture, and it's a picture that I showed on the first week. It seems so simplistic, it's like a cartoon here. But I showed you a picture of what God created in the beginning. He created, again, if you're not familiar with my drawings, this triangle with the heart in it is a representation of God. I know it's a poor representation, but God is love. And God loved the world that he created, the land, the sea, the animals, the creatures, the fish, the birds, the trees. And God created human beings, and he said that we are to care for all this together, and together this was peace, this was shalom, this was flourishing. And it's his desire for us to be like that again, and he will bring that about through Christ. But if we're in Christ now, we need to start living that future renewal today. And we need to consider what that means for our work, We need to consider what it means for what we consume, what we use, what we do, the kind of footprint that we leave in the world. And I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the solutions, but it's something I'm learning about. And I think that we as Christians need to take seriously because God loved the world and we should love what God loves. So with that said, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to invite uh, Carolyn Brown to come forward and I'll let her explain just some of her own kind of experience and training. And we're going to have a short interview to go through this together.
I hope you don't have me up here to give all the solutions. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, you, I was hoping you would tell us all the answers. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's welcome Carolyn to the... <laughs> you don't think you can do that in 10 minutes? All the, um, so, Carolyn, for those who don't know you, could you give us a sense of your background and, and expertise related to the topic of creation care? And how does it connect even with your understanding of faith? Okay. Um, so thank you for the invitation to be part of this sermon today. I, I'm not sure I have a lot to add. I mean, you did a great job of going through the teaching of Scripture. But just to give a bit of uh, background about who I am and where I come from in terms of thinking about creation care. So I was uh, born in rural Cape Breton, grew up in a rural area. Um, and so being born in a rural area, similar to many of you who grew up in Prince Edward Island, you played outside all the time. You played, you know, games in the forest and hide and seek in the forest. We had a brook right beside our house. We went fishing all the time. And you know, so it was just, you know, a kind of a backdrop to your life. And so I went off to university and uh, to study biology. And it was really after, I w I, after my second year, I had a summer job. I was working for the Department of Fisheries and Oceans and on uh, Lake Ainsley in uh, Cape Breton. And so uh, that summer, uh, you know, as part of the research project that we were doing, we were often out on Lake Ainsley in, boat, in a boat for all the various different tests and, and uh, uh, sampling and different things that we were doing of the fish that we were studying. And so uh, Lake Ainsley in that part of Cape Breton had the uh, largest number of uh, bald eagles at the time. And so it was very common for us to see them soaring over the lake. And you know, you'd go to a certain beach you know, to get out of the boat to do a you know, a seine net or whatever, and, you know, there'd be two or three eagles sitting on the beach. And so that really, um, I just became fascinated with uh, the natural world and how God had made things and how they were interconnected and understanding it. But also in connection to my faith, I, that, a verse I, I remember from that summer is from Isaiah 40, 31, where it talks about how, uh, you know, uh, even young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles. And that really becomes, hits home to you when you are seeing eagles soaring over you, you know, on a daily basis. And so, as many of you know, um, uh, Doug and I uh, went to uh, Central Africa as missionaries uh, doing agricultural and community development work and worked in the Democratic Republic of Congo and had the privilege of living in a rural area, a very remote area in the middle of the rainforest, which is the second largest rainforest in the world, Congo Basin Rainforest. And so, you know, as you, the natural world is very close to you when you live in, in a rainforest. Everyone there is very, on a daily basis, dependent on the natural world and uh, very conscious of it. Sometimes it gets a little too close uh, <laughs> for comfort, um, you know, and invades your house. Um, but uh, that as we are working with people to uh, help people improve their lives uh, through agricultural and community development work, I just helped me think a lot about, you know, the incredible beauty of the rainforest and the biodiversity, the diverse 
animals and plants and everything. It's just amazing to be there. Uh, but then how do we help people also improve their livelihoods and do it in a way that's sustainable so that we can conserve the environment but also uh, have sustainable uh, development as well. And so when we came back from Africa, I decided to go back to school and at the age of 41 and um, eventually got my PhD where I was able to study that idea of how do we have conservation and sustainable development. So 11 years ago, God brought us here to Prince Edward Island, and uh, so I teach at UPEI. I, I'm, I'm a professor in environmental studies, and I oversee the, the Bachelor of Environmental Studies uh, program there and, and do research in the area of the environment. So that's kind of a bit about my background. So how does that connect with my, my faith? Well, I became a Christian just before I went off to university, a very long time ago now, and um, as I often say to my students, a hundred years ago when I was a student <laughs> like you, um, and they laugh. Um, so I went off uh, to study, you know, biology, and as I, you know, already said, became fascinated by the natural world and understanding all of the interactions and everything, and also, uh, you know, became conscious of, you know, human beings' impact on the world. And I remember at the time uh, thinking about it as a Christian. You know that we're all we're all God's creatures, as you already said in the sermon, and we God has created all of us, and so therefore, as our neighbors in creation, we should be taking care of the natural world, um, and and so I, I started making connections. I remember reading a book by Francis Schaeffer at the time, um, uh, you know, which was called Pollution and the Death of Man. You know, uh, thinking about a creation view of of ecology, which was what I was studying, and so. You know, I could see how, and, and again, many of the verses you've already talked about today, that creation is a gift from God. And, uh, you know, in Genesis 2.15, it talks about how God has placed man or human beings in the world uh, to, to take responsibility, to, to tend and care for the natural world and to be good stewards, to not abuse it. Um, and it says in Psalm 24.1-2, uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And so all of creation, all of the natural world is a gift from God. And so taking care of creation is part of our worship, you know, to, mm -hmm. you know, to protect, to, to serve, to restore. So it's really about service, not, not mastery and do, or dominion. It's really about service. So that's, I guess, that's a wonderful. long answer to one question. Oh, but that's... It's so helpful, I think. You've thought about some of these things, certainly far more than I have, I think, and you've experienced it in a whole other way. And it's helpful for all of us to hear uh, that we as Christians even can have an intelligence about these things and an understanding to our faith that gets played out in real-world ways. So what is it about creation and its care that you think humans often get wrong? And what is at stake? Help us imagine what it would be like if Christians around the world really did it well. Okay, so I think I think there's uh, I. It was a good, an interesting question you sent to me, and, and to really think about well, what are some of the things that we get wrong, and I think one thing is is that we we see ourselves as human beings as being separate from creation, um, and one thing I often say to my students and students who study environmental studies, they're students who are really you know concerned about the direction of the world, they're concerned about climate change, they want to learn how to take care of the environment better. And so one thing I often say to them is that, you know, we want to save the environment or we want to take care of the environment like it's something over there that's separate from us. 
but it's not. It's, we're not separate from the environment, from the natural world. We are completely dependent on it. You and I are here right now breathing the air that's part of the environment. You know, we eat food or we eat fish, you know, that comes from the environment, whether we're conscious of it on a daily or minute-by-minute minute basis or not, directly or indirectly, everything uh, depends on the environment. You know, we often think about, well, you know, we can't take care of the environment because we, we have to have economic development and have a good economy, but that's really not, it's, it's kind of ridiculous actually because our economy is completely dependent on the environment too. You know, as any, as you already mentioned, as any farmer knows, you know, you have to take care of your soil or else you're eventually not going to have a too good crop. Or as Cindy talked about when she talked about, you know, working in fishing and in aquaculture, you know, you have to take care of, of those resources that, and that natural world that you're dependent on for your economy. Um, you know, here in Prince Edward Island, I mean, we have so many tourists that's a key part of our economy because people come because of the natural beauty in our beaches. And so if they were all littered with plastic or whatever, well, you know, not a lot of people would be wanting to come and, and be on them. So, so um, I think that, you know, we, we, we don't see that, we see that ourselves, we've often seen ourselves as being separate from nature. And I think that's one of the things we really get wrong, that earth is our home and, and it's, we're really dependent on it. And as you already talked about, because of sin, that came into the world through, uh, you know, through uh, the disobedience of, of human beings, we have this attitude that we're masters over, over the world and we can just use it in any way we want to. And I think we've seen the results of that, um, you know, over generations. I mean, here on the East Coast, uh, you know, we saw the collapse of the cod fishery, uh, you know, because of mismanagement and overfishing. Um, and that had a devastating impact on, on communities, on people's livelihoods, on the natural world, and it's never really recovered from that. Or, you know, as you were talking about cutting down rainforest in Costa Rica, or as we, you know, hear a lot about in the news these days about climate change. And so I think we've seen kind of the results of sin and how that has had an impact on our world. And oftentimes it's people who are there's often some groups of people who are more marginalized who have oftentimes borne the brunt of, uh, in terms of the impact on their health because of some of the environmental problems. And I think the third thing that I think we get wrong is that we, and, and, and it's easy to think like this when you consume too much news about the environment, is that we're all doomed and there's nothing, you know, there, either that there's nothing we can do because we're doomed or that it's all up to us, and we have to come up with some new technology or some way to do something different. And so I think that's the other way that we get things wrong, because as you already talked about, we're co-workers with God in caring for creation. And uh, you know we have hope in Christ for the restoration of creation, and so we have to keep that in, in perspective that, um, that, as you said in Romans 8, uh, verse 21, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So it isn't all up to us. It is, we have hope in Christ, and uh, because Christ has already restored creation, and so for that reason, we, uh, you know, we can work and, and be co-workers with God, but it doesn't all depend on us.
Yeah, you know, thinking back, I, I forgot to mention with Costa Rica, it was massively deforested in the rainforest, but I think by two, they recognized that as a problem. And by 2005, they had restored it back to almost 50% of the country being rainforest. So it is possible. There's a country that's done some of this, you know, and they recognize the need. Now, I don't know that they were coming at it from a faith-filled perspective, but it, it, it really is possible. So give us, um, you know, all the solutions uh, to all of this. Uh, could you make some suggestions of things that we could be thinking about or things that we could practically do, practical ideas for how followers of Jesus could participate in partnership? with creation? Um, yeah, so not all the solutions, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I think it starts with worship and seeing mm. that creation is a gift from God. And then our, our work our, our, as being good stewards of creation then flows from that, that worship. And so maybe that might mean, uh, you know, confession of sin, uh, mm. you know, about the way in which we've been, been treating the world. But also in worship, God can give us a new imagination about what... Uh, you know what the world could be like, and what you know the uh, what our actions uh, should be. You know, as you know, oftentimes in uh, as Christians, we we read the Bible, we tell the stories of of miracles that Jesus did, or we read uh, stories of the children of Israel of how God you know parted the Red Sea. So, so you know, we have hope and we have imagination, knowing that God is all powerful, and that you know our hope is is centered on on God, and from that we can take, you know, wise action um, and hopeful action to protect and restore creation. So in terms of some, you know, practical things to do, and it can be overwhelming, and you think, well, I'm just one person, what can I do? Uh, you know, the problem is overwhelming. Um, but I think the first thing is just to enjoy creation, to get outside and enjoy the natural world, you know, uh, get out get away from the screens, uh, you know, help your children to, you know, get away from the screens and just get outside and turn over a rock and see what's underneath it. Um, you know, play in the forest, you know, uh, look at the leaves and how they change in the fall. Uh, you know, it's, it's good, obviously, for our mental health to be out in the natural world. There's been studies that have shown that. It's great. For, it's, it's very important for children's development to be out uh, playing in the natural world. And, and it's fun and it's free. You know, just, I mean, we obviously enjoy the natural world here in Prince Edward Island a lot. In the summertime, you know, we love going walking on beaches and, uh, and enjoying it. And so, you know, we really often care about what we know and, we, and what we experience. And so by being out in the natural world, I think that helps us to, to get to know uh, God through knowing his creation, but also then caring about it. And, you I mean, you already mentioned this in the sermon. I think another thing... In our world, we're constantly bombarded uh, by to be to consume, right? You know, you have to have the latest gadget or the latest uh, version of this, or you know, buy this or you know, whatever. And so, I think it's really a struggle against that because you're just bombarded with it every day, as you all know. But I think we have to think wisely about our consumers. Obviously, we have to consume some things. But we need to think wisely about about what that should be. Be a conscious consumer. It's something I've done some workshops for the city of Charlottetown and, and uh, schools and things on being a conscious consumer. You know, think about the. You know, we often have learned about the three R's. You know, reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, we often think about recycling, but maybe we should actually reduce 
uh, some of our consumption and maybe reuse uh, some things more so that they don't need to be uh, recycled. But I don't think we can be legalistic about it because God has made us all unique. And so I think it's going to look different for everybody and it's not about trying to be perfect or judging somebody else for their actions or whatever. It's, it's, uh, I don't, we, we can't be legalistic about any of these things and so it's going to look different for, for each person depending on, on their circumstances. And so I guess the last thing would be is, you know, just to get involved, like, you know, maybe learn more about things or get involved maybe even on a, on a local level uh, you know, here in Prince Edward Island, there's everybody, wherever you live, you are part of a local watershed, and there's volunteer watershed groups that are often doing lots of different things about uh, learning about the natural world, but also, uh, you know, doing cleanups or tree plantings or things like that, and they rely a lot on volunteers. So, you know, you could choose to get involved in that, or there's you know, there's different initiatives, like for example, the Women's Institute has a roadside cleanup every spring. Um, there's, uh, you know, the shoreline cleanups that happen. I mean, we could even organize things like that as a church. Um, you know, if, you know, you can, uh, Dr. Catherine Hayhoe, who's a client, climate scientist, but also a Christian, um, she has a great little video online uh, called, I'm just one person, what can I do? And uh, she talks about, you know, calculating your carbon footprint um, and, uh, you know, trying to change maybe some aspects of your lifestyle that might reduce that, but also recognizing that that even, it's really important, all, each individual's decision can have an impact if we are all making good choices at one time, but also knowing that there's lots of things that are beyond us to, to do. And so, you know, that's where we can maybe have an impact by talking to our elected officials, whether at the municipal level or provincial or federal level to, you know, advocate for, you know, policies and things that are better or even thinking about where we work or even our church or the ways in which maybe we could buy some solar panels and put it on the roof, right? Sure. Um, yeah. You know, you burn less oil in the, in, you know, or whatever. So there's you know, very practical you know, things, small things that we can do, but I think it will look different, uh, different for each person. And so, yeah, so I think there's, but I think the big thing is to get to know God through his creation and, uh, and enjoy it. So. That's wonderful. I really appreciate that perspective. Uh, I'm thankful just again to see, as well, kind of even referencing back to our, our, our discussion of work within creation, just that your work, some people would not see that it can be informed by faith, but all of our jobs, all the things we do in the world can be informed by faith and can be a way of service in the world. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing with us today. Let's thank Carolyn. Just, yeah. Thank you. The video that I skipped earlier um, was a video of Lauren Wilkinson, uh, who was a professor of mine at Regent College. And uh, it's just a wonderful little clip that I won't bother to show now for time. But if you're interested in watching a whole movie, uh, sort of a documentary style movie about creation and considering it from a faith-filled perspective, I can share the link with you. Perhaps I'll do that even just through our emails. Uh, I'll invite the worship team to come forward and we'll close with one final song. <laughs>